Welcome to the People of Chattanooga podcast. I'm your host, Luke Swab. Today on the show, I have Skylar Baker. Skylar loves camping and hiking, and his latest project was completing the famous Pacific Coast Trail. This 2,650-mile hike from the Mexican border to Canada was his daily life for a few months, and he loved most of it. I had a great time having him on the show to live vicariously through him as he told me stories of the highs and lows that are inevitable on a trip of this magnitude. So sit back, relax, and enjoy listening to what life is like on the trail with Skylar Baker. And we are live. I'm here with Skylar Baker on October 7th. 2021 and uh, i was just looking at your instagram skylar and uh what happened yesterday uh well yesterday was the hamilton county skylar baker day and how did that come about <laughs> <laughs> long story but uh let's get some context here yeah um my dad is on the county commission and um every week he was talking about me and Yesterday, he uh, he wanted me to come down to the courthouse for their weekly meeting and uh, had a little proclamation and was recognized in front of the whole commission. So, For completing the PCT. Yes. Um, so I did that starting in late April and just finished at the end of July. Uh, if you're not familiar, it's a 2,650-mile trail uh, from Mexico to... Canada, and it goes through California, Oregon, Washington. Yeah, let's. Can we rewind and let's talk about what got you into doing these long through hikes? Where sure. did that come from? Sure, uh, I kind of grew up in the outdoors. Um, when I was younger, we had a pop up camper, and we would go to places in the area like Cloudland Canyon State Park, DeSoto, Fort Mountain. Um, pretty much one weekend every month in the fall and spring, we would go out there and the main activity for the day on Saturday was to go for a hike. And, uh, my dad always tells me that he remembered I would be in the front of the pack, kind of like way ahead of everyone. I would get to the next trail junction and be like, all right, which way? Just waiting on the rest of the group. Um, and it kind of evolved from there. Um, you know, kind of always like going hiking with my friends. And then there was one day in, uh, in college, I went to university of Tennessee. Um, I was taking a summer class, didn't really have much going on. And I said, Hey, you know what? Let's, uh, let's go for a hike in the smoky mountains. Uh, couldn't find anybody that was crazy enough to go with me. Uh, so I went, uh, went on this long hike. It was probably the hardest hike I'd ever done up to that point. And I just remember I had this, this thrill kind of, I remember on the drive there, I was like, should I be doing this? Should I be driving all the way out here uh, to go hike by myself in the woods? And I remember I get up to the top of this fire tower and the view was amazing. And like, just kind of in the moment, I was like, yes, that was worth it. Um, so then uh, that turned into... Uh, long, a lot more day hikes in the Smokies and eventually it turned into overnight trips. Still by yourself, overnighting by yourself? Uh, no, initially I started doing overnight trips with friends. Um, 
my first extended backpacking trip uh, multiple nights was at Cumberland Island down in Georgia and um, and then yeah it, it turned into a lot of weekend trips in the Smokies um, and at once I got out of college I was kind of like all right what's my hobby going to be what's going to be my like stress reliever what am I going to do uh, in the evenings and I got into trail running uh, one of my friends he was also working in Chattanooga one summer and we were like, all right, let's, let's get off work, meet up and go for a little trail run. So we did that a couple times. And then I remember <clears throat> one day he says, Hey man, I, I can't make it. It was a long day. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go by myself. So, and then from then on, I just kept going every single day, even if it was just by myself. And that, that evolved into, um, I had some other friends that did ultra marathons, uh, particularly the stump jump here in Chattanooga, which just happened. Yes. Mm -hmm. This past weekend, unfortunately I wasn't there and I, I definitely had some FOMO. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I always looked at those friends. I was doing little three mile runs in the woods and they're doing a 50 K and I remember looking at them and thinking that is crazy. Like, how are you running for seven, eight, nine hours at a time? And, you know, I worked my way up, did half marathons. Uh, but I, uh, kind of funny, I jumped from the half marathon to the 50 K. Mm -hmm. I didn't ever do a, I still haven't ever done a road marathon. I just kind of skipped that step if it is a step and, uh, did my first 50 K in 2018 and I just had the best time. And I, I remember it wasn't anything about speed. It was like everybody out in the woods kind of enjoying themselves, having a good time. And, uh, I was hooked. So it kind of just kind of went from there, kept doing ultra marathons, a uh, bunch of 50 K's, a couple of 50 milers. The, the lookout 50 miler was my first one. Um, and then I kind of took that ultra running <clears throat> and backpacking combined the two. And, uh, you, you know, if you put that, those two together, you kind of get long distance hiking. I think I think uh, it's a happy medium between the two going for extended durations during the day, but also you're carrying a heavy pack, not like a ultra race where you just have a little vest on. Um, so it kind of naturally just popped in my head. <clears throat> I said, I have the skills to do a long hike and um, it kind of makes sense as the next, the next goal in my life. So then you decided to hike what? Hike the Pacific Crest Trail. That was your first one. Yeah. I was. just assumed you did the Appalachian Trail. Most people do. Ignorance. Yeah. Because, yeah. So that was your first through hike? Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. That's, is, is that the hardest one? No. Um, a lot of people would say it's easier than the Appalachian Trail. It takes about the same amount of time. It's... Appalachian Trails 2180, PCT is 2650. However, the grade on the PCT is much more smooth. Um, and it doesn't rain, which rain slows you down like the AT. Um, so it takes about the same amount of time. However, a lot of people say the PCT is a little bit easier. Uh, the AT is a little harder. 
Wow. I've actually heard the the elevation comment because around here we just have up, down, up, down, yep. up, down. And out there you kind of slowly build up and you stay on the ridge. There were yeah. there were plenty of 5,000-foot climbs, but it would be over 5, 10 miles. Mm-hmm. So you're climbing a lot, but it's smooth. Like you're steady cruising the whole way. Now, what do you go to – what did you um, – go to college for uh civil engineering now are you out of college did you start taking that career path yes so i remember it was right when i was graduating college uh this is 2016 uh a friend and i just got interested in the appalachian trail and we were just like kind of hooked on it um but you know you graduate college you get a job offer um so i started working in construction management uh, mostly in Knoxville and I spent a few months here, a few months in Georgia and a few months in North Carolina over the last five years. Um, but I always had in the back of my mind, I want to hike the AT. Um, so while I was working in Knoxville, um, I kept doing these, these hikes in the Smokies and that would be weekends when there wasn't much going on uh, I would even get off work at five in Knoxville drive about an hour up to the Smokies and go run until it gets dark and then maybe a little bit past dark too <laughs> uh, so, I, so I got to this point uh, where I was I had a map and I would highlight it and put the date on whatever trail I would do in the Smokies and then I get to this point I said oh I only have four or five colors of highlighters and they're all intersecting and I was running out of space on it. And I was like, I think I've done more trails than I haven't done in the Smokies. And there's uh there's roughly 900 or less miles in the Smokies. <clears throat> and, uh, over the course of, uh, I guess six years from 2014 to 2020, uh, I just kind of started knocking off little trails here and there. And I got to the point where I would, make a make it like make a reason to go way off over to this trailhead just to do that trail because I hadn't done it before because you know I'd done all the all the highlights like Clemens Dome Charlie's Bunyan Gregory Bald those kind of like Rocky Top Um, I'd done all those so now I'm just doing all the quote boring trails (laughs) and so how many do you have left Uh, so I actually last July July 2020 I completed it. Uh, so no, I had never done a through hike, but I had done, it's called the 900 mile club. Oh, wow. Um, which it's, there have been some people that do it in one sitting, but like I said, it took me six years. Uh, but it's, it's a pretty exclusive club. It's mostly Knoxville and Asheville, uh, residents and it's a little over 700 people have ever done it. Oh, wow. That's crazy. And what's, um, that does not sound very fun to do in one sitting. No, that's... no, people, people will go for like a speed record too. Really? Yeah. What's the record for that one? Oh, I couldn't tell you. I think it's something like 40 days, maybe. It would feel so repetitive, like zigzagging and crossing trails you just did and the right. same scenery kind of. Right. Cause I like, I did it over Six years. the course of years, but yeah. I had to repeat a lot of trails and even like if somebody's like, hey, want to go do this hike? I'm like, oh, I've done that 10 times. But I would go just to like hang out with my friend or to right. show them if they had never been. Um, so I think I did about 1,300 miles. Like I had a little log 
and it came out to 1300 just to finish 900 right, so exactly. a lot of repeat miles what's uh what's a little lesser known um hike that you recommend out there should i say no <laughs> no you shouldn't you shouldn't blow it out i don't know why i asked you the question i got all my little secret spots out never oh, yeah. tell anybody yeah so go to Klingman's Dome and <laughs> yeah, go to Klingman's Dome. You'll you might Jimmy be the only Tops one there. And, yeah, <laughs> if the road's closed. You know, I've been the only one there once. I have too. Yeah, yeah. It's very rare. Um, if you go between, I think it's November and March. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Klingman's Dome Road. It's about eight miles. It's closed. Uh, so a lot of people will bike it. I've done that. You can hike the AT, which is parallel to it. Um, and then I, ha- I actually have a friend that skied up it when it snowed once oh that's really cool yeah wow when you biked it did you come up from uh oh cherokee no no okay i, ca- I came from newfound gap oh gotcha so only yeah. eight miles each way yeah maybe maybe next <laughs> maybe, maybe next <laughs> we'll do adventure. that next yeah um so let's talk about the pct sure. um well you must have quit your job i did not you did not how did you pull that off uh, several conversations, um, you know, you must be a good employee. <laughs> I guess so. I guess, yeah, <laughs> they, they didn't say, no, you can't do this. Or right. I, I was, I was determined. I, I sat down with one of my bosses and said, Hey, this is something I'm passionate about, something I want to do in my life. Um, so I was prepared to, I mean, as like, I love, I love the company I work for, but I was prepared to walk away and, you know, deal with that later. Cause at that point, that was probably the most important thing in my life. Um, however, I had a I had a six month leave of absence um, that I set. Wow, that's that's impressive. Which is rare, and yeah, a lot of people I met on trail. You know, you kind of if you get more than a first name basis, you kind of uh, talk to each other like, "Hey, what's your story? What do you do in like normal life?" Yeah. Uh, so I told I would tell people that, and they say, "Wow, like yeah, they must like you." And like I've never heard of anybody doing that these days. Yeah, well, that's inspiring to hear someone can do that. A lot of people think they can't do these big challenges right. uh, because of work and whatnot, and that's cool that you were able to talk to your boss and he understood. You know, Sometimes when you quit your job to do a project, though, when you come back, you get a better job anyway or at least higher paying. So it's not all that bad to... Right. It's, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Do you feel calm now that you did this project did you you know scratch the itch um do you feel like now you can go back to work focus and you're not daydreaming about trails or how how do you feel I think after? so I mean I'll I'm gonna go back to my normal routine which is get off work and go run and be you know live the weekend warrior life uh, but definitely I'm I'm glad I can sit there and say I I went out and did it instead of being in a different situation saying, Oh, maybe someday. Yeah. So it's kind of that like weight off my shoulders. I now I don't have to say, Oh, maybe someday. Yeah, exactly. And now you don't have to be bitter maybe or resentful or any of those things because you, you did it. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. You seem like pretty, uh, calm demeanor guy. Yeah. It's good. Uh, yeah, definitely kind of just just going out and doing the hike uh, definitely made me more of a relaxed person and um, not sweating the small stuff. 
Yeah, you're probably a better employee. Your your boss is smart for letting you do this, and you're probably going to be a better employee. Yeah, I think so. Um, I definitely uh, won't be as stressed, just day-to-day things. And um, I find conversations with people I don't know uh, to be to come much easier. Um, Was that because you had time away from a lot of people or because the people that you met on the trail, you just learned how to talk to strangers? I'd say both. Um, yeah, I had a lot of time on trail where I wouldn't see somebody for hours. There was a couple of times where I didn't see somebody for days. And then when I would run across someone, I would just be like yearning for a conversation like, <laughs> hey, what's your name? How are you? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to be friends? <laughs> That's funny. My girlfriend and I, we uh, paddled the Everglades last February. Yeah. It's 99 miles. And, oh, wow. and uh, with no uh, support, you know, obviously, and you're camping the whole way, you bring all your food. All your water, too. You bring all your water because it's salt water. It's right. brackish. Um, so, yeah, we brought 80 pounds of water each, 10 gallons each. And um, there was a section where we didn't see anybody for 72 hours, three days. Whoa. And it was cool. And I remember the first time we saw someone, it's like we went around this river bend and like you could see this boat way off in the distance. And you're like, what are you doing? Like the first reaction is like, you're a little gun shy because you yeah. haven't seen anyone in three yeah. days. And you're like, is that a pirate? You know? And then they, the boat comes idling up and uh, they haven't seen anyone in a couple days either. Yeah. And it's this old guy that's been living on this, you know, 50 foot boat, just tooling around the Everglades for 10 years. And, uh, cause, cause he asked me how long you guys been out here. I'm like, Oh, I think we're on day like five or six. And I'm like, what about you? He's like 10 years. <laughs> but anyway, he was also, uh, yearning for some human interaction. He's like, you guys need anything, water, food, beer. I'm like, I'll take a beer. Yeah. And, and he went inside and, uh, he was just by himself and gave me a Corona. It's cold. It's yeah. nice. Nice to have something cold after. Uh, yeah, he's like, I'll trade you a beer if you uh, give me a conversation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, yeah, you can't you can't put a price on that. And there's yeah, people you meet out there that they just want to talk. Yeah. And, like, hear what you've experienced. Who was uh, one of the more interesting people you met on the trail? Ooh, good question. Any serial killers or running from no, the law? I only had uh, I only had one negative encounter the whole entire trail. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just it was some guy. Um, I didn't see him, and he was coming uphill, which usually uphill has a right of way. I didn't see him because I was actually running downhill with your uh, pack. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was coming around a corner fast, and I didn't see him, and then. I kind of did the, you know, like middle school hallway thing where you step left, yep. he steps right. Yeah. And so I finally like jumped off to the side and, uh, he was pretty angry because like he should have the right of way. And I was like, Hey, sorry, I didn't see you. Uh, so other than that, yeah, everybody was friendly. No, no, uh, sketchy people or he he's could have been people. hangry or right. tired from walking or right. whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. uh, so would you run? much on this trail or is yeah. it just downhill and momentum uh i think the i'm trying to think of the first time i did i think it was the third day and i was coming into a town and i knew the post office closed at 3 p.m which is odd yeah but you know you're going through these tiny towns they can do whatever they want and i was coming in and it was probably two o'clock and i knew i had 
a few miles left and I really wanted to, I was down in the desert and I really wanted to send my puffy jacket and my thick socks up north, uh, like ship them to myself just to save some weight. Exactly. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to make it there unless I run. So I just started going and I was passing people, uh, and they would all look at me like, what is this guy doing with this big bag on and running down the trail? I made it to the post office though. So it was worth it. Then did you kind of decide, Hey, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. Hey, that wasn't terrible. What, what shoes were you wearing? I was wearing ultras. Uh, I had three pairs of lone peaks and one pair of, uh, temps. Okay. I'm not sure what those are. Are they trail running shoes? Yeah. They're the, uh, the zero drop trail running yep. shoes. Okay. You'd recognize them. They have yeah. the, like the footprint on the bottom. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. How, how heavy was your pack? Uh, so kind of funny, uh, the first night you, uh, most people would stay at this horse camp in Campo, which isn't really a town. It's just kind of a horse camp and a post office and a starting point. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's at mile one on the trail and you, you kind of camp there that night. And then in the morning, uh, they make you breakfast and you do yoga and give you a little orientation and they have a, a, and uh, take bets on if you're going to finish. Right. Not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Look at each other. You won't make it. You won't yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a scale that they had hanging from the tree. And so you can, you can weigh your pack and they actually, I think they record it on their website. The PCT does. And so we hang our packs on the scale on the tree and he said, Oh, I guess it's broken. <laughs> he said it worked yesterday, but it's broken now. So anybody else that started that day to whenever they got a replacement just didn't know how much their pack weighed, but I would guess 30 something pounds. Okay. And did it get lighter as you, did you, uh, yeah, make any adjustments? I mean, you sent your puffy jacket and your wool socks. Yeah. Um, it changed a few times. Uh, so I sent my puffy jacket and uh, wool socks to Kennedy Meadows, which is the south end of the Sierra. I know Kennedy Meadows. Yeah. I've been there. Oh, really? Yeah, it's wonderful. Doesn't it feel like it's you're in Alaska or something? Yes. Because there's no phone service. Yes. There's two stores. Yeah. You kind of have that like Western frontier that feel. That store is so cool. Yeah. Did you stay there a couple of days? The it's general ten- store? Yeah, the general store. Yeah. Uh, no, I just stayed one night, um, but the, the following morning, I uh, kind of hung out. Like, if you're on the porch, like in, in May, like when all the hikers are coming through, there's 20 people just hanging out on that porch, you know, just kind of like chatting. And um, whenever a hiker comes in to the porch, like you can see them across this big parking lot all the hikers stand up and start clapping because it, it's kind of a, like a monumental moment because you make it through the desert yeah, and that's you're going big, into the mountains. So you finish the section. And that was a, that's a big jump. And if I remember correctly, isn't that where this section that means you're completing, um, there's not much water. Is that the section where, yes, where it's yes. difficult for the water from then on there's, then there's water, water fairly often. Yeah. yeah. But getting, however, th- exactly. You're trading it for, huge mountain climbs and being above 10,000 feet up, up to uh, 13,000 feet. So there's trade-offs, you know, you're glad you're out of the dry desert, but then you're like, Oh man, this is the real mountains that we're going into. So what, what is, can you describe the longest unsupported portion? How many miles are you going between services or water? Right. So once you enter from Kennedy Meadows, 
that's my about mile 700 you don't cross a road on the trail until mile i believe it's 940 so it's 240 miles you don't cross a road um obviously you can't do that unsupported yeah so what you have to do is take a side trail um which which normally you cross a road and then you get a ride into town but uh out there there's no road so your only option is to hike extra miles uh i think the shortest one is uh vermilion valley resort and you're doing five miles each way yeah but it's a very limited resupply it's kind of it's not as remote as kennedy meadows but uh there's no wi-fi there is power in a restaurant but it's just a little store that you resupply at so there's a five mile trail there's a 12 mile there's a 16 mile um and you're doing that twice because you have to go into town get your stuff and come back did you hit all three of those resupply towns in that 240 stretch i think i only skipped one originally i was going to stop one time i think once or twice in that section because i could do a little over 100 miles uh without resupplying um but i remember whenever i got into the sierra um i was in shape at that point but i just whenever you're doing like bigger climbs at higher elevation, you need more fuel, you need more energy in you. So I was just going through my food so much quicker than I expected I would. Um, so yeah, there was, there was one where I think it was probably 50 miles to the next stop. And I was planning on blowing through that one. I said, no, I have to stop here because I was, I was looking at my food. I was like, all right, if I eat one thing every four hours, which usually I'd eat something every hour, um, and I've got, I've got some, uh, <laughs> I had like a couple packs of Alka-Seltzer. I was like, okay, if I run out of my electrolytes, I can drink an Alka-Seltzer just for the lemon lime flavor. And I was like, no, this is crazy. <laughs> I need to, I need to be realistic and stop in this town. <laughs> uh, what, what food were you eating along the way? Um, uh, all freeze dried food, of course. No, I'm kidding. I, I <laughs> you know, I that's, so. that's what a lot of people think. Yeah. Um, uh, mountain, whatever. Mountain house. Yeah, yeah. mountain house stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no. I did eat some, but no, that wasn't the major staple. Because, um, you know, those are hard to find. Also expensive. Expensive. Yeah. And you want real food, I would assume. When I camp, I, um, I take real food with me. That's yeah. the fun part. Of course, you know, I'm only going for a day or two, not 90 days. Yeah. You get, you get as real of food as, as you can. Um, during the day I would just eat any kind of like nutrition protein bar you can think of. I probably ate it. Um, so I'd have those, it would just usually depend on what the store in the town had. Cause usually there was just a general store or a gas station, maybe a grocery store if you're lucky. Uh, so I would try any, any kind of bar I'd eat one about every hour. Does the AT have better food options? I'm not sure, but I would think so. Might be a, a better tasting through hike i don't know <laughs> yeah I, and i think uh maybe not better tasting but probably more options yeah or or more frequent stops yeah way less it's way less remote i would assume yeah yeah, yeah. um so yeah i'd eat bars during the day and then dinner i would make dinner most nights and it would be uh the nor pasta sides if you go to the pasta aisle it's that little green packet mm-hmm. uh which it's like Spanish rice, fettuccine alfredo, those kind of things. Yeah. 
Um, and then I would, I would cook that and then I would get a tuna packet mm -hmm. in the little pouch, yep. mix that in there. That was the main thing. But I also ate like, like some mac and cheese and mashed potatoes and, did you do uh, instant mashed potatoes? Yes. Those um, I didn't completely burn myself out on them, but I definitely ate too much. They're so light. It's, uh, you just add your water and right. they have all that fake flavor that they yeah. pump in there that tastes good. I mean, it's, the, it's, it's like, uh, the anthrax powder. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like, this is not real food. Yeah, exactly. Uh, spam. Did you do spam? No, I did not. Sardines. No. They have a lot of sardines at gas stations. Yeah. You can always get it some sardines at. No, yeah, really just tuna packets. Um, yeah. Because the thing about those, they're just in a little little pouch. And then right, and they're easy to pack. It's lighter. Like a sardines, like a metal can. Right. So, you know, I'm, I was constantly thinking about weight. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. And sardines are really stinky. And right. I would think about. Attract bears. Yeah, hull, <laughs> yeah, yeah, hauling it out in your trash and everything. And let's right. talk about the bears. How many did you see? I I didn't keep an exact number, but I believe about 15. Um, and it was just south, like at the north end of the desert, I think was my first one. And I saw them all the way up into somewhere in Oregon. I don't know if I saw any in Washington. And um, what kind of bears? They're black bears, but I remember I saw one of them. And it was it was brown and it was big, and I saw it running down the trail. I was in Northern California and I I went to breakfast with two other hikers and I was like, "You'll never believe it! I saw a grizzly bear this morning on the trail." And she goes, "No." I was like, "Okay." She said, "No, that's uh," which, which she knew what she was talking about. She said that was a uh, a black bear, but they come in all different color ranges out there, and they're much larger than the black bears we have. So you'll get a brown one, a cinnamon one. Um, they'll they'll kind of look like a grizzly bear, um, but they're just black bears. And do they do they come with black bear mannerisms? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So they're they're larger, but they act the same. So they're just scared of they're more scared of you than you are of them. Yeah. Were you hanging your food up, or did you have to be super cautious with bears in the area? Yeah, I had a uh, so I would keep my food in a dry bag. And then I had an ursac around that, which it's it's like a thick cloth uh, bag that you put around your food. It's it's not bear proof, but it's bear resistant mm -hmm. and odor resistant. But there's a lot of sections, um, like we were saying about sending, uh, changing my gear up. Also in the south end of the Sierra, I sent myself a bear canister, um, and I had that bear canister from. 700 to I think 1100 and then I sent it north again to the next area that required it but I come to find out uh, it's another it's a, a Lassen National Park volcanic national park um, I find out that that section of trail is only 19 miles so a lot of people will camp south of it and then hike through Interesting. Yeah. So, so I ended up camping in the park because that's just how my mileage worked out that day. But yeah, I and, didn't know that. And you had and you had it. Yeah, and so I had you, the bear cans. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I sent this here, and I'm carrying it, so I might as well. How make use how of big it. is it? Awkward to hike with and yes. have yeah yeah. It's so, like a hard shell, right? Yeah, and it's uh. I had the small one, one of the smaller ones. It's the Bear Vault, like four fifty. 
Uh, so it's, I don't know, like a, a little over a gallon probably. Uh, but it's, it's kind of an awkward shape. It's hard, not flexible at all. So I would put it down at the bottom of my pack because it was pretty heavy and you want, you want your weight down low. And then I would uh, take extra clothes, like maybe my fleece or like extra shirt, whatever. And I would stuff it between the bear canister and my back because it just to give Padding. a little cushion. Yeah. yeah. But it, yeah, every, every time I could get rid of it, that was a relief. Right. Did you have any animals get into your food? Uh, mice? Uh, nope. Raccoons? Not, nothing the whole time. Is there less critters out there than on the AT? Probably. Um, especially like the desert, you don't have small critters. Um, up in the Sierra, you have a lot of marmots, though. They did. <laughs> I would, uh, when I'd go to sleep, I'd take my shoes off, shoes, socks, and I had these little uh, cloth gaiters that I wore around my ankles just to keep dust out. And I would set all that stuff right next to me at night. <clears throat> and I wake up one morning and one of those gaiters is gone. And then I go over to my trekking poles, which I had just like laying on a rock just off the ground. And there was all these chew like bite marks all over the handles. And I said, oh, it was a marmot that got it. Because when you're sweating, you get that like salt yeah. all over it. And they're thinking, oh, this is a good snack. No. Would you always sleep in a tent? No. Uh, about half the nights I slept in my tent. Um, and then half the nights uh, I would cowboy camp. Yeah. So I'd just put my tarp down, my pad, and then go to sleep. What? Um, I'm curious about your gear. You yep. want to go through your list of... Sure, we can get technical. Get real technical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So your backpack? Yeah. Uh, backpack, it was a Mountain Smith Zerk 40. So it's a 40 liter. Um, I've had that pack for over two years. And it's held up great. It held up great before the PCT. And then it did fine the whole entire trail. No tears, rips, anything. But I realized 40 liters is pretty small pack, um, but I needed a little bit more and I wanted one little compartment that had a zipper on it because it's one of those roll top backpacks. So I bought a Z-Packs. Um, I can't remember what it's called, uh, but anyways, it's, it's a little like three liter bag and I would strap that to the top of my pack and that's where I'd put like all my, my headlamp, like lighter yeah the quick access all the little stuff yeah and and like extra food and stuff for the day yeah nice and then sleeping bag and and then uh i had a thermarest 20 degree sleeping bag and a nemo uh, sleeping pad it's one of those like semi-inflatable so it took about eight breaths to inflate um but funny thing about that sleeping pad, <laughs> uh, there was, I think the, the heat from the desert caused the glue to melt and the bladder that holds the air inside of the pad had, uh, warped and expanded. So there was this huge bubble on my pad right where my shoulder blade would go. And I ordered a new pad, but you know, it's hard to ship yourself something into some of these towns and. Basically, uh, it got it took two days extra um, from what I thought it would be for it to get there, and I said I'm not gonna sit around and wait for two days. I gotta keep hiking, 
So I ended up bouncing it to myself three different times uh, just because, like, you're also working with these tiny post offices, usually that aren't even USPS post offices. It's just a campground that that serves as the post office. So end up bouncing it around a few times and finally got a new pad. But anyways, I was I was sleeping on a pad with a huge bubble on it for I don't know 300 miles. <laughs> I I know exactly what you're talking about. I had uh, I left my pad fully inflated in a tent once and because we were camping a couple nights and yeah. you know it gets hot in the tent and it did the same thing but it, i called it the pillow yeah it if was it was like, a little higher for me it would have been a pillow it actually wasn't that bad <laughs> it kind of like just formed this pillow i use that for years These, those they're so expensive you know you don't want to yeah. just keep buying them so yeah um what i ended up doing is the pat or the the uh bubble got larger and larger it kept yeah. expanding yeah <laughs> and it got so big to where I couldn't sleep on my pad comfortably, so I had to flip around and put my head where my feet go. And your feet were on So it. whichever foot had a harder day, I would put it on top of the bubble and give it a little elevation. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, yeah. Uh, making it work. Is yeah. that Was that sleeping bag warm enough? It's only 20 degrees. Was it Most you, of the time. Yeah. So most nights, I, I wouldn't even zip it up. I would just I'd put my feet in the bottom, but then I'd have it unzipped and kind of use it like a quilt. Yeah. Um, but up, up in the Sierra, I actually got snowed on, I think it was like May 20th, which for me, that sounds really late in the year for a snow. I guess it, it happens up there. Uh, but it, it got down to single digits one of those nights because I, I, uh, couldn't hike any further that day. It was getting dark and I was freezing and I couldn't get down in elevation any, anymore to get warmer. Uh, I had, I was so cold. I had to set up my tent and get in my uh, sleeping bag. And you were even cold while you were hiking. Yes. So, which is not good. Which no, you like normally when you're hiking, you're sweating and yeah. your body's producing a lot of heat. Um, but I had, I had an extra layer of clothes in my backpack just in case it snowed so much where I got wet or if yeah. it turned into rain, you always want like something dry to put on whenever you stop. Um, but I remember I was, I was shivering while I was hiking Jeez. <clears throat> which is hard to do yeah and um th- i remember that night i'd get in my sleeping bag zip it all the way up i didn't even have any <clears throat> exposed skin uh to the air outside because it was just cold to the touch yeah so i was i had full-on like mummy i had a little there's a little draw cord in it and i had it cinched all the way just down so like mouth and nose or not hardly even. not even, even yeah i would have to open it every now and then just to blow air. off the steam yeah yeah um, but i wake up and there's like ice all over the shell of my sleeping bag um so yeah it would have been nice to have like a zero degree for that night yeah would you take the same sleeping bag i think so yeah and just be cold a couple times yeah because it was really probably five or ten nights that i was actually cold yeah, out of ninety, that's yeah, that's not bad. I'll I'll trade some some weight for a little suffering. Right, exactly. <laughs> Did you um, were you interested in finding sponsors for this, or did you get sponsors? Uh, not really interested in it because I, I kind of already had all the gear I needed. Um, like I had that backpack, which actually that that backpack was a an Indiegogo starter campaign Mm -hmm. so i had already gotten it for a discounted price um and it 
was working fine, so I didn't need to replace it. Uh, same thing, I had my sleeping bag, my sleeping pad. Uh, I already had my tent, so I really kind of had everything I needed. Uh, the the one one or two things that would have been nice uh, would have been a, sh- a shoe and sock sponsor, which I didn't try to um, reach out to a sponsor or anything, but that would have been nice because those things you would burn through so quickly. For the most part, everything else that I had, I had with me for the whole trail. And so how many pairs of shoes and socks did you go through? Uh, four pairs of shoes. So I think I did 700, 600, 900, and do the math, however many yeah, were left from there yeah. on the fourth pair. Um, and then socks, I... I like to hike in Swift Wicks, which are those tight, like, compression socks. Uh, but the thing about those, they're so thin that I would burn through them in about 100 miles, which so what, would be a few that, days. Like four days or yeah, something? Yeah, probably four days. Yeah, wow. <laughs> uh, so those, and I figured that out pretty quickly. So then um, I had some resupply boxes that I'd send to some of these towns, and I had uh, I had my parents add a pair of socks that I had just like sitting in my dresser. I had them add a pair of socks to each box because I knew I would definitely need them. Um, But there was sometimes like I'd burn through the pair of socks. There'd be a big hole in the bottom. I had a a rude awakening one time. Um, I saw the hole in the bottom of the sock and I said, well, I only have these and my wool socks and I don't want to hike in those because I want to sleep in those. So I would just, I pushed on and hiked in them for a couple days and then my feet the bottom of my feet just started like burning like they were on fire and I stopped uh, to swim one time take my sock off and there's a huge red spot just completely raw on the bottom of my foot Uh, so from then on I said like footwear is probably one of the most important things you can do out here like take care of your feet because they're probably the most important part of your body when you're walking on them all day how how did you heal that? I uh, used a lot of like Luco tape, like that kind of moleskin stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was also kind of hard to find sometimes. Uh, I remember at one point I had run out of that and I had a little bit of duct tape that I just slapped on there because um, it stuck pretty well. Yeah. It might, might have not been the most comfortable thing, but it worked. Was that your only injury? Did you have any injuries along the way or? Um,. I would have like one day my left knee would hurt and then the next day my right ankle would hurt, but it would usually kind of work itself out. Just like old man stuff. Kind yeah. Of. And, yeah. and like if your left side hurts, then you're walking funny on your right side right. and you would be overcorrecting. So that kind of thing. Um, no injury. I, uh, I did have a hospitalization though. Oh, What happened? <laughs> what happened? Uh, how, how could that not be an injury? I guess technically it's an injury. Um, it was uh, <laughs> it was uh, severe dehydration. Oh, so yeah, an internal injury, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, t- what's the story? What happened? So if if you kept up with the news, there was a, a record-setting heat wave in the Northwest this summer. Yeah, in Portland, it was like 120 or something. Right. Yeah. And so so I'm up at elevation, and it's in the 90s, which <clears throat> isn't 120, but yeah, 90 degrees is still hot. And I would go down into the valley, so mm-hmm. I was in, like, temperatures over 100 at some points. 
Um, but I had made it through that whole heat wave, probably two weeks. Um, and I was, I was pretty good. I would drink as much water as I could. I, I kind of, I didn't double up, but I carried like an extra liter of water with me throughout the day. Um, and were you not drinking water usually during the day? You drink? No, I would. Okay. I would. It'd okay. be like three liters a day, but I yeah. took it up to like five liters. Pretty much any time I would pass water, I would like filter some and just kind of chug as much as I could. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But I think it was just a compiled effect of a, a slight bit of dehydration day after day. And then one day it just got to me. It just got me out of nowhere. I, I wasn't even like normally the, the sign of dehydration is when you're thirsty. I wasn't even thirsty. I had plenty of water. Um, but it just started off as a stomach cramp and it got worse and worse. And I was, I was trying to counteract it, drink more water. I tried eating something. I tried an Alka-Seltzer. Um, I tried a, more electrolytes. And at that point, there was nothing I could do to stop my body from shutting down. It, it had already made up its mind. It's like, all right, you're done. <laughs> so I get to the point where it was hurting to walk. I would, I, for a while there, I was like walking and then every 15 minutes I would, I would just like lean over just cause it was like a piercing pain. And I got to the point where I said, I, I need to sit down. Um, however, I was going through an area that had a wildfire last year uh, I was just south of Crater Lake, Oregon, and there's not much shade when all the trees burn. So I found a tree that didn't have any vegetation on it, but I it was, you know, maybe a foot wide, you know, almost wide enough for my head. Yeah, it's like <laughs> so, standing using a telephone pole. Right, shade. yeah, yeah, exactly. So I found that's all I could find and sat down there, and uh, these two hikers uh, walked by and they gave me like a piece of bread, but I was like, I'm not hungry. And like, I was like, did like, you, did you know you were dehydrated? Did you know that was the, yeah, ailment? yeah, kind of. Um, but it was, I thought it might also be just some sort of like stomach cramp, like yeah. an extreme. It was also on my right side where your appendix is. So I thought, you know, worst case, maybe this is appendicitis and it's going to rupture. Um, so these other two hikers come up, they send the other ones on their way. And by this point I'm just laying on the trail, like just kind of laying there, like not really responsive, just completely in the dirt. I had dirt all over me, all over my face. Cause I was just like rolling around in pain and, uh, yeah. And then they, they were, they were very concerned. I was, I was concerned, but I was just kind of fighting at that point. And they said, Hey, uh, we can't leave you here. And, uh, I was in extreme pain, but I was also, I was saying, I don't want to cause a scene. Like I'll be fine. I just want to get to the next campsite and, uh, set up and sleep this off. And they said, okay, well, we'll, we'll, uh, carry your pack. And it's about a quarter mile to the next campsite. So we get up and get, start going down the trail. Did you know it? You were that close to a campsite? Quarter yeah. Mile? Oh. yeah. Uh, they, they knew it. I, I guess I probably didn't know it cause I was just oblivious to everything that was going on at that point yeah you're getting a little delirious yeah mm-hmm. yeah I wasn't I wasn't concerned with anything going on in the world except for just trying to live through that yeah because uh, it's it's probably the worst pain I've ever had in my life um, and we get up start walking to the campsite and 
probably three different times in a hundred feet I fell over like collapsed on the ground just because it was hurting so bad and then they said all right well we you can't make it to the campsite we definitely can't leave you out here tonight um and all the while I was trying to sip water still at that point but I kept I'd sip a water and then 15 seconds later I'd puke it up oh you're puking now too. oh yeah oh yeah so my body was rejecting fluids um the one thing that it probably needed it couldn't hold it in Mm -hmm. um so then they they got on their garmin inreach message their family that was uh, five miles down the trail at the campground and they said hey get search and rescue out here Uh, we need to evacuate him and they come about an hour later put me in uh, it's called a litter which is like a man basket and it has a big wheel on the bottom and they put me in there roll me down the trail it took a couple hours and they had to there was some down trees that they had to kind of cut and like cut little side trails around and finally get me to the road a little before midnight get me in the ambulance and are you are you remember do you remember yeah. that whole five miles you yeah. weren't like in yeah. and out I was, of consciousness or yeah anything? I was conscious okay. um but they were doing the they were asking me questions to see if like my memory was still there to see if I was coherent. Um, but those were the longest two hours of my life. And it hurt all the jostling oh, yeah. and stuff. I'm oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Cause they like, they did an amazing job. Um, but Th- then there's did, bumps. So they were extracting you, but did they, were they also medical people? Could they tell what your ailment was? Did they know yes. you dehydrated or did they think maybe you had they asked me if I still had my appendix and yeah. appendix and if I had my gallbladder because yeah. uh, they thought it might be appendicitis. Um, but there's so much you can do in the back country. They like they were taking my pulse and uh, they asked me if I wanted uh, some sort of pain medication. I said no. I think that'll upset my stomach even more. Yeah. So I just had to kind of like bear bear through the pain. Um, but they. Uh, yeah, get me get me to the road, and um, it took four tries because I was so dehydrated. They couldn't find a vein. They finally got an IV in me, which was the only solution at that point. Yeah, they and, didn't stab uh, you four times before they <laughs> found it. Yeah. Okay. So I get the get the fluids in me, and um, actually go to the hospital, get uh, two more bags of fluids, and stay the night there. And then the next day, uh, just kind of took it easy around Crater Lake. I actually had two friends that were meeting me in Crater Lake and they knew something was up, but they didn't know what the status was of me. Like they talked to a, a park ranger and they said, Oh, you're friends with Skylar. And they're like, Oh, what? And they said, uh, not good. He's uh, <laughs> being evacuated right now. And they're like, what? <laughs> yeah. So surprise to them, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the next day, um, took it easy around Crater Lake. I was just taking in fluids, trying to like recover, and, um, uh, one of them, uh, my friend, uh, Joseph Romeo, he, uh, lived in Bend, Oregon. So he drove up and, uh, had his, had his truck with all this stuff that I needed, like water, food, whatever I wanted, uh, which was great. And, uh, my other friend, Mitchell Hall, he flew out and he was going to surprise me because he knew I was meeting up with, with Joseph. And so he had already planned on hiking with me for a few days, but it was kind of nice. He went with me from there for three days 
and was kind of like rehabbing me, like yeah. kind of like pacing me, making sure I was like going to be fine. So that was like a lifesaver. What What did the doctors tell you when you were in the hospital and you were getting your saline solution and everything? Yeah, they um, they said it was just severe uh, muscular, ab- abdominal muscular dehydration. And they like I had some blood work done. They said everything was fine. Um, so, yeah, it's just dehydration. Well, um, I'm glad that those other hikers helped you out there. That seemed like it could have been a, a bad one. Yeah, um, it, the situation was unfortunate, but it could have been a much worse situation. Like if I was in the middle of the Sierra or yeah. something where there's no roads and yeah, they that- would have had to airlift me out and that could have taken a whole day, which who knows if I would have made it through that night. Um, did anyone pass away this year on the trail? Yes, I know one, at least one, maybe two. Uh, I think same situation happened to them in Southern California, down in the desert. Dehydration, mm-hmm. and they didn't make it. Yep. Wow. So, yeah, it's Mother Nature out there. Like, it'll get you. It got me when I least expected it. Yeah, you were strong at that point. Yeah. You know, you yeah. were what? I was two-thirds of the way yeah, through. Yeah, two-thirds through. Yeah. So it just kind of... It just creeped, creeped yeah. as, huh. Well, I'm glad you made it. Yeah, <laughs> I am too. <laughs> Were you a little more careful with... It? Yes. Yeah, I, I did at, at that point. Well, and I kind of sat there. I was like, is this a sign? Should I stop or should I keep going? And then right. I was like, maybe if I was one third the way through, I would have stopped. But I was like, you know, I've done more than half of it and I'm feeling strong and I feel like I learned a lot from that uh, experience and yeah, just doubled up on my electrolytes, doubled up on my water. Anytime I went to town, I would just be searching the shelves for any kind of electrolyte that they had. And I even, if I was running low on electrolytes, I, uh, when I was at a restaurant or something in town, uh, and they had like salt packets, I would take those with me and I would dump (laughs) salt packs into my water um, or like dump salt packs on top of the electrolytes, uh, just to get that like sodium back in my system. And it was kind of, uh, it worked out perfectly. Your surprise friend to hike with you. Yeah. Like you say to like rehab you and like maybe get you back mentally. I don't know right. if you need yeah. any mental. Bit, yeah. Did you do any meditation or how, how did you have a, what was your mind like on the, on the trail? Yeah, because it's a physical activity, but it's also very, has to be extremely very mental. I would yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I really only did yoga that first night or the first morning. Uh, There's a group doing it, but other than that, You're like whatever, I'll do the yoga. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> oh, I guess so. Everybody else is doing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, other than that, um, you know, just a lot of like deep thought. Um, when I'm out there for hours and nobody else is there, I would just I would name anything. I probably thought about it. <laughs> Um, and I would recount past experiences and think about the future and, uh, think about like, Oh, I haven't talked to this person in a while. I'm like, whenever I get service, I need to uh, touch base with them, see how they're doing. Um, and did you follow through with your own usually yeah. notes? Oh, cool. Yeah. 
I just ask because I, I always do that stuff and I never. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you're in the moment, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do should, this and that. And I, then I get back home and it's like, okay, Instagram. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And that, Netflix. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's chill right now. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, it's even like when you go on a run and you have like that runner's high and like you, you have all these ideas and then you just kind of forget about it. Um, but no, I, I had uh, a lot of a lot of time to think out there. Did you come up with anything that for real you're going to try or plan for the future? Any Yeah, I've got the a couple startup ideas. No. Yeah, that's about- <laughs> I thought, you know, you think like You can invent your own crypto. No. <laughs> you think like you go out there and you're like, Oh, I'm gonna figure everything out. I'm gonna go find myself. Yeah, exactly. Um I didn't in some senses, but I also did like like it definitely changed me. Like I'm yeah, I'm a much more relaxed person and kinda like you know, don't sweat the small stuff, appreciate the little things and, um, really like appreciate like the people and like the relationships I have in my life. Yeah. So I guess I'd count that as finding myself. (laughs) How often would you, uh, talk with friends back home? Um, usually whenever it'd be at the beginning, I had service, pretty much every day but then it got to the point where it'd be two three four days I'd go without service um and I'd usually try to well I'd always have to uh, respond to text messages that I got um but kind of funnily I I would get a text message and then I'd be like all right I'm gonna text them back and then I would lose service again and that would just bug me because I like replying to people like as soon as possible because then they're like oh it took him a day to reply to me does he not care yeah uh, like I, I value that and like in my relationships. Um, so that I got over it at some point, but I always like would be frustrated. Like if I couldn't respond to somebody, um, and then if you were to do it again, would you have some kind of satellite uh, phone so you could stay in contact? No, I don't think so. I had, um, I had a spot tracker, like a GPS with me. Um, and that way I could, I could like send my coordinates uh, to my family. Did you ever, did you send the hospital coordinates to anybody or no, did anyone, no. was any, was there like a website you could go to and see where you're at? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it like, I would, I would hit the button. It's yeah. Like, check in or something. It was like a check in button yeah. and it would send my coordinates. It would send it through email. It would send coordinates and they could like look on Google maps and see where I was. Yeah. Uh, but mostly it, and it had a little custom message that it said checking in all is well. Yeah. Just like if I was going yeah. somewhere without service for multiple days, just so they would like know. In the e- before you fall asleep or something. Or yeah. Can't yeah. Whenever up. I would think about it, I'd just yeah. I'd hit it. Uh, but no, uh, I I wouldn't bring a sat phone or anything. Uh, it was kind of nice to be out of touch uh, for periods of time. Yeah, so you could find yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's what's a... Um, interesting person you met along the way. I mean, you talked about the, yeah. the one negative interaction, but, um, I met quite a few interesting people, uh, towards the beginning, it was about like 30 people a day that I would 30, like other hikers I would see a day. Um, uh, but then once I got into the mountains, it kind of spread out, like people quit, people stop in town, that kind of thing. Um, so a lot of people I would just have like a one hour or a one minute, um, elevator conversation with just kind of like, Hey, how's it going? Uh, but later in the trail, I actually got to the point where P- 
people are going like the same pace as me and uh I would see them multiple times like for a few days here and there um but I'd say probably the most famous person I met was uh Tim Olson who's an ultra runner uh based out of Ashland Oregon he um while I was out there he set the fastest known time uh, speed record of the whole PCT oh I believe this, it was like 52 year. days yeah oh wow so he he passed by me I knew kind of um about where he was and I I did a little calculation uh my pace his pace a rough estimate of the distance between us and I was like I think on about this day or that day he's gonna pass me um because we were running in the same direction but he was going faster than right. me so I remember it was one morning uh I see some guy he was wearing this like fancy like nice uh Adidas Terex outfit like with a vest and like nice new shoes and he was running south and uh adidas is tim olson's sponsor uh even like specifically for that attempt yeah so i was like this guy has to be connected somehow so i said hey are are you going out to meet tim and he said yeah he's a few miles south he's come this way so i was like all right he's about to pass me so i was on alert the whole day and I, he just, he didn't ever pass me for hours. And I get to the road and there's a, a film crew. He had his, he had his RV. And like, so I said, Hey, to one of the, one of the film crew guys. And I didn't want to sit there and wait around. I kept going. Yeah. And then out of the blue, uh, like mid afternoon, late afternoon, I hear somebody running down the trail. I was like, Oh, this is him. So I turned around and I said, Hey, what's up, Tim? And, um, he actually stopped for about a minute and, like talked to me and was like, what's your name? Like, when'd you start? And like, like what pace are you doing? And, um, he was like, good luck. And I was like, good luck to you. I was like, I'm rooting for you. What a classy guy. Oh yeah. He gave you a minute. Yeah. And is a minute out of 52 days. Like usually I mean, that's substantial. A lot of people I'm... doing that. They, you can't stop for every person. No. Cause if you count up every minute that you stop hundred percent for hundreds of people. Yeah. Uh, so I really appreciated that. He's a really like down to earth guy. Wow, that's super cool. Did his little documentary come out yet? Um, I don't know if they did a whole documentary, but they would do like little short films. Yeah, like little recaps of the week that they posted okay. like periodically. I'll have to check that out. I like that. I I did not make the film. You didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's fine. But but you did get your own day, and I'm not sure if he got his own day. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have any speed records though. Yeah, and you get to, <laughs> yeah, and you get to talk to me. However cool that is. <laughs> no. Um. Well, oh, did you have a trail name? Yes. Which is, and how did it come about? And see that—that's another question. Uh, I, I usually don't broadcast it unless somebody specifically asks it. So yeah, uh, it was Ghost Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was two different people I met. Uh, within the first week, like I was seeing a lot of people the first few weeks. So one guy, he calls, he, uh, he said, uh, like after I told him what day I started and like what my pace was and stuff, he said, I'm going to call you ghost. Cause I will probably never see you again. Uh, so I thought, Oh, that's cool. And, but I knew ghost is a pretty common name out there. Really? Like, it's like the same thing as like being called bear or lone wolf or like, rocket or speedy like something like that yeah. i knew it was pretty common so i was like ah it's okay like you don't have to accept the trail name you can you don't have to i thought no. you okay yeah you can say like oh like no thing i don't know 
They're like, nah, I can do better. Uh, so, yeah. so I kind of took it and I was like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. And then I meet another guy a few days later and he said, I'm going to call you Crusher because you're crushing miles. So I was like, well, I could combine the two names and it's like having a first and a last name. Yeah. Um, which I actually looked on the PCT website. Um, there's at least one ghost and one crusher that hiked this year. Oh, really? So I was like, all right, point proven. Yeah. I actually had, I actually had breakfast one time with a guy named ghost. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Did you tell him your name ghost crusher? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So did you, um, did you ever kind of hike with other people or, or make, make, a real good friend or anything and have to leave them or they left you or anything like that? Yeah. Um, there was a couple people I would hike with for a few hours here and there. And then, you know, they'd stop for the night, set up their camp and I'd be like, all right. And then usually I'd be waking up the next morning and then they, they would pass me. Um, I'd say there's about like 15 or 20 hikers that like I exchange contact info and like still follow them online. Yeah. And like, I I always would say, Hey, if you ever make it to East Tennessee, like let me know. Yeah, of course. And like, if I were ever in their city, I would like hit them up, see what, if they want to reconnect. What what was kind of like the average schedule? Like when would you wake up and about, it kind of changed, um, in the desert. I had just come off of Eastern time. So I was three hours ahead. So I would wake up easily by 5am every day. Cause it's, you know, three hours difference. And um, I'd wake up at five and I would go till dark, which would be like seven thirty, uh, back in, back in April and then get up into the Sierra and it was cold every morning. So it's kind of hard to get up when you're freezing. You're like, no, I'm five more minutes. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so it kind of slowly, like I'd start getting up at like seven something. There were even some days like I get up at like eight. Um, but really the whole time I'd wake up around sunrise and then I would go until at least dark, which later in the, in the summer, um, the sun didn't set until nine thirty, And then some days I would, uh, if I was trying to make some mileage, I would about like nine thirty or so I'd turn my headlamp on and go for a couple more hours. I had probably like 20, 20 or so nights that I went till midnight and then it was kind of like a mental block. I was like, I can't go any longer. Once it hit midnight, I said, I got to sleep. <laughs> did, did you want to do uh, like an all-nighter? Mm, some people do, but then you pay for it the next yeah. day. Um, I went until like past 1 a.m. a few times. Yeah. But no, I knew I had to sleep. You had to sleep anyway, yeah. so you might as well walk during the daylight. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and you're, you're more likely to injure yourself when you're hiking in the dark cause you can't see as much. Um, and you, yeah, you get tired much quicker. Would you say you did an average pace or were you a little faster or, um, slower? I don't know. Like actual speed. I was doing like two and a half, maybe three miles an hour. Um, but then I would, I ran sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, that would be. Uh, usually the last day that like the day that I would be going into a town, my backpack would be very light because yeah. there's no, no food left in it. There'd be just enough uh, to get me to town. Yeah. So my, my bag was light. And usually when you're going into town, you're going downhill. 
So yeah. I was like, oh, let's run this. This is this is some nice running scenery right here. Um, so, yeah, sometimes just going slow, two miles an hour, sometimes running like four or five miles an hour. Um, but it worked out. The math worked out to 28 miles a day. Um, there were some days I'd do something like 10 miles, and there was my longest day was 42 miles. So it kind of varied just depending on whatever. Did you take any days off besides a uh, hospital? Just the one day. That was it. After the hospital, yep. That seems kind of uh uncommon, yeah. 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 Yeah, zero days. You zero only had days. one and you're in the hospital. Yeah. That's, I had a good reason. That, <laughs> you had a great reason. Yeah. Yeah, and you even came back the next day. Yeah. And walked a little bit. Yeah. Did they drop you back off at the same spot where they picked yeah, you up? Or? Yeah, and and it's still uh some of my friends have joked like Hey, those five miles that you were carried, uh, you got to go back and actually walk them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, because there's this whole like purist mentality, oh, like get every single inch. Of course. But you know you can't because like there's wildfires, there's whatever, what have you. Um, did you touch Mexico? Did you put your foot on the Mexican border? No, you're about like fifty feet away because you have the border wall. Yeah. And then the border patrol road, and then there's a little barbed wire fence. And then right there is where the terminus, the monument is. Hmm. So I was about 50 feet away. I did touch a toe into Canada, though. You got a toe in. Uh, because the, the Canadian border is actually closed, or was closed uh, from COVID still. Right. Uh, so normally people would keep going into Canada, and it's only five miles into Canada where you get to the next road. But that wasn't an option this year. Um, was that just honor system? Is there... Uh fence in Canada. Not in Canada, no. no Canada it's it's just a tree it's line. With a sign. No says. no Mounties sitting there waiting <laughs> on you. <laughs> I yeah. think I did see a moose. It was it was dark when I finished and I heard something large in the woods. It wasn't a bear because it would have ran away. Yeah. And either a moose or maybe a cow, but a moose sounds pretty appropriate let's for stick Canada. With, yeah, let's <laughs> stick with moose. So you stuck your toe in and then did you uh, camp on the border, or did did you back hike a little bit to had had town? to back hike? So like the next option is get to the border, and then you have thirty miles south to the next road. So you're backtracking thirty miles. Oh, that's pain in the neck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew that going into it. I knew the border would be closed. Yeah. However, um, it was about a week before I got to the border. I heard there was a wildfire, and this was my first active wildfire that was ahead of me i had several that were behind me that i'd already areas i'd already passed through uh, but this one was north of me and i was i was worried about the trail closing and yeah. not being able to finish because uh, it was at the closest it got three miles away from the trail um so it it ended up being fine but it closed that access road off because i was going to have like my family was going to come pick me up at that road crossing that's um, still 30 miles back. It's still 30 miles, yeah. yeah. okay. So I knew I knew that, and I was hoping maybe they'll get the wildfire under control and they'll reopen the road, but that's not realistic. That's not how it works. So the next option, I was like kind of doing this research, and I'm also talking to other hikers that I would see. And uh, there was by that point, there was hikers that were hiking southbound. So they start late June, early July, or even late July. And uh, they started Canada go all the way to Mexico, opposite direction. Mm -hmm. And some of them that I talked to, they started west of the trail on the Pacific Northwest Trail. 
and it uh, it comes out to you get to Canada and then you do 15 south and then you go 19 west so it comes out to about 34 miles um, but whenever you get that last 19 miles you're just at a lake shore you're still out in the woods but I like did some research and there was a water taxi that oh. will pick you up right there no kidding yeah so I had I had my finished date and I scheduled a water taxi for the following day at noon knowing that I had to get to the finish and then 34 miles to get to the get to the campsite where they would pick me up. I didn't get to the border until 10 p.m. so I had 14 hours to do 34 miles. That's uh 2 miles no an sleep. hour no yeah. sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew that I was doing the, I was doing the math in my head the whole time and um at that junction, at the 15-mile south junction, I took all my sleeping stuff, my tent, bag, pad, food for the next day, and I tied it up in a tree mm-hmm. just to save weight because mm-hmm. I knew I'd be just backtracking. Down and back, yeah. Yeah, and I was planning on running the whole section, but uh, about halfway there, the trail was overgrown. It wasn't really, like, runnable grade, and I was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, like, at that point, like, I thought I would get to the – order at 7 p.m. like well before dark um i wanted to get there in the light so i could actually see like canada see canada take the picture yeah. right um so i get there in the dark and i'm like all right now we just can't sleep so kind of enjoyed myself there i, I did like i took a picture i wrote in the log kind of like took it all in and i was like all right time to turn around and head south and i get probably halfway back to where all my stuff was and it's like 1 a.m. and I was just exhausted and I was like I can't go all night I'm so tired I have to stop and sleep but I didn't have any of my stuff so I just find the nearest flat spot and lean up against a tree like up against my backpack and it was maybe in the 40s like it was pretty chilly um so I put my windbreaker on zipped it up put my hood on I had some little like running gloves I was wearing, um, but I just had shorts the whole time, so my legs were cold. I had a I had a pack cover like a rain cover, yep. and I just Slide like in that. wrapped yeah. it around my legs like a sleeping bag, um, and kind of just laid there for like three or four hours. Got a little bit of sleep. Um, get up the next morning, put all the stuff back in my backpack, and then I start heading west in the Pacific Northwest Trail. It's a it's a pretty major like national scenic trail, mm-hmm. but it's not nearly as heavily trafficked as the PCT, so that means it's not well maintained, and I knew that ahead of time. Like talking to the other hikers, they said there's a lot of trees down there, which slows you down. Like your trees so big that you're using all fours, oh. all four limbs to climb over them. Yeah. So I knew that, but then I'd start going on that trail. I lost the trail a few times because there was like, there must've been a hundred trees down in that, that 19 mile section. Hmm. Um, so I finally get back on the trail and it like clears up, but I realized I'm not going to make it to the lake by noon. And, uh, at that point, like my next option was to get there before dark and I was going to wave down a random boat to see if they could like shuttle me to the marina if there is a random boat true yeah so i get i get within <laughs> like uh within sight of the lake and i'm looking down i'm like thousands of feet up above the lake but i could i could see it pretty clearly 
And I'm like, there, there are zero boats out there, <laughs> which was unsettling. And, uh, I was like, all right. And I start running. This was the last run, I guess I start, I run down the mountain, get to the lake and there's a dock at this pickup spot. And there was actually a boat there at the dock, but he was like pushed off untied. And he looked like he was about to start his engine. He was talking to two of the campers that were there and I come running up and I'm like, Hey, I said, uh, are you the water taxi? And he says, yeah. Are you Skylar? And I go, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, hop in. <laughs> so he, he, uh, was on his last run of the day. He had gone to the North end of the lake to, I guess, shuttle somebody else. And he was on his way back to the Marina. This is like 8 PM about to get dark. And he says, I guess I'll stop by one more time. See if he showed up. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. And if I was five minutes later, he would have been gone. Would you have caught him the next day? Yeah, that does, was that does, was the plan. Okay, that was the plan. That was my option three. I that guess. was your plan. <laughs> that was my Did, plan. Was that his plan to, to no, check No, but on I you figured like day? maybe somebody else would be yeah. shuttling or something the next day. How how low were you on food? Could you have camped out there for yeah. a day or two? I had one thing left. I had one uh it was actually a freeze dried meal. Yeah. Uh, it was the last thing I had in my bag. So I was like, all right, I'll eat this for dinner and hope I can get a ride at 8 or 9 a.m. the next day. Yeah. Uh, so I hop in the hop in the boat, and he said, your family's waiting for you at the marina. And this whole time, I didn't have phone service, so uh, I couldn't send updates. I was trying to send my coordinates, Yeah. but there was smoke from that wildfire, so the signal wasn't getting through. Um, so I hop in the boat. He said, they're waiting on you, and we take off, and... He says, he gets on the radio to the marina. He says, I have the package. <laughs> <laughs> you were the package. <laughs> so, That's cool. What was that moment like seeing uh, seeing the family? It was pretty nice. Um, at that point, I knew I was like, I was safe back to civilization. Even before I uh, got back to the to the dock, I uh, I just kind of sat there and I was like, all right no more walking you made it and like it's this beautiful it's called ross lake up in washington beautiful mountain lake up there and i just kind of like took in that view and like had a big sigh of relief like you did it and uh then i pull up to the dock my family's waiting there and um they're they're all excited and like i don't know it was just the best feeling what did you eat that evening uh immediately they uh so they thought i was gonna get there at noon <laughs> right of course so they had like a subway sandwich because it was like the only thing they could find on the yeah, way up there yeah so they had like a, a day old sandwich <laughs> i ate it of course <laughs> um so i, I don't even like five minute old subway like, yeah like, yeah yeah <laughs> I, I was like i don't care <laughs> yeah whatever uh so i ate that and then we went back to seattle that night about three hours and uh got some taco bell because i you know there aren't any taco bells out in the mountains you know so i hadn't had it for three months i said that sounds good to me (laughs) but you probably got 15 dollars worth of taco bell (laughs) yeah oh that's hilarious um was it bittersweet were you was there a little part of you that was sad it was over were you happy to be done with the project in the moment i was uh happy to be back at civilization yeah and i was like all right i need a shower probably yeah because i i had gone i think that was my longest stretch i think i went like 10 days without showering just because i was i didn't want to waste any time stopping in a town to shower i was like i need to keep moving so i was happy to be there and have a shower but i think it took a few days for me to kind of sit back and like reminisce and say yeah like this it's over and like you're not on the trail anymore 
So it was kind of bittersweet. Did did you get hotels along the way? I think like six, probably six hotels. Wow. What I would usually try to do is get into town like about dark, get a hotel, shower, charge my battery. Food. Get food and then uh, wake up the next morning and get back out. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times I would get close to town, but I was so tired I had to stop. Or I would get to the road and it would be dark and it's kind of hard to hitch a ride when it's dark out <laughs> yeah especially when you have a huge beard and you uh, haven't showered in a few days you're not the most attractive person to pick up on the side of the road i, I can <laughs> only imagine um was it hard in the daylight was it hard to hitch rides and generally no um there's a lot of a lot of people that live in those towns they know they what know you're what doing and like they know you're a, just a through hiker like you're a trustworthy person to pick up and like a lot of them will be on their way to work or back from work and they say, Hey, I'm coming through at 9am or 5pm. Oh really? If you want to hop in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're pretty used to it. I think the longest I waited was like five hours. Wow. But usually it would be within 30 minutes. And, and that five hour one, how, um, what was the distance you were waiting for to get into town? probably 15 miles far enough oh, to not 15 walk. you don't want to walk yeah. yeah and it was interstate too so i couldn't have walked oh, yeah um that one i tried i was in a decent sized town uh dunsmuir california which is right next to mount shasta decent sized town i actually tried a few different spots to like post up to yeah. try to get a ride yeah and it ended up being the guy that uh i bought breakfast from that morning he recognized me and he's like hey I know you, and like he said, hop in, I'll take you back. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, That's so I was like, oh, small world, I guess. That is a small world. <laughs> um, do you have any other memorable, any memorable stories that stick out in your mind that I don't know to ask you of that you want to share? I'm trying to think of something that kind of sticks out. Um I would say it was kind of funny, uh, the Crater Lake situation. I get back to town the next day, and there are all, there are all these other hikers that I had like been hiking with for a few days, and um, one of them uh, didn't. The, one of them that didn't know me, they said, "Hey, you're Skyler, right? Like you're the guy that like went to the hospital." And then these other two, they didn't know my real name, and they said, "Wait, you're Skyler also." that like you're the guy and you're like ghost crusher yeah <laughs> and i was like i was like yeah that's that's me also yeah. that's funny. Uh, so it, i don't know it was kind of funny they to, finally put it together yeah 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 but there, there was so many like small stories along the way all the like they're called trail angels all the people that yep. live in these towns that they'll set up like a tailgate of food or they'll give you a ride into town or they'll say hey you can like come sleep in my yard and like take a shower or whatever there's so many like little little stories like that and you did that you would sleep in people's yards and sometimes and uh there was only one guy that like he offered it and then it ended up not working out because he he was busy with something else um but there was uh there was a couple times where they're like yeah you can come by like i'll let you charge your phone or whatever yeah and i was like sure sounds good to me that's cool are you glad you did it solo or do you wish you had a partner for the yeah, I'm glad I did it solo, because mm-hmm. um, it's it's hard to go it's hard to go fast or it's hard to go at your pace if you have somebody else with you. Um, and I was never 
like there'd be days that I didn't see a person, um, but I was never like lonely. Like I definitely like craved that human connection, but there was never a moment where I was like, oh, I need somebody with me to like get me through it. Well, are you going to do another one? <laughs> that's, that's always the question. That's the last question. That's what everyone wants to know. Not right now. <laughs> I, have to, I have to. I have you got to go. talk to your boss. Yeah, yeah. No, I have, to, I have to go back to work now. But you know, I'll I'll do the saying. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. <laughs> yeah, I won't. I won't make you proclaim yeah. another great feat. That's that's something else. Walking that far. That's uh, an experience that not many people have. Right. It's pretty cool. Well, thanks for coming on the show and yeah, talking to me about me. it. I had a great time. Uh, it's nice to get to know you and hear your story. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. No problem. Well, I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. And there you have it. Skylar Baker, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you like this podcast, please tell your friends. Word of mouth is key in this small city. Also, you can leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's helpful. Or even write a review on Apple Podcasts. That is the best, and I love reading those and seeing those. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Bye.